Hi, my name's Kevin. I'm here today to talk about one of these two problems. Have you ever had this happen before where you've tried to hang a picture and uh, it just didn't quite work out like you expected? Well, one of the things that I have come to find that works really good is a twist type of anchor, a drywall anchor. There's several different kinds. They're available at your local hardware store or home store. Uh, there's one that uh, can handle about 85 pounds or they make a smaller, lighter weight one that we'll be using today, which can handle about 10 pounds. Let me show you a way that these work. First off, you figure out where you need to put the picture at. Take a Phillips screwdriver to the right height where you need to be. Your hammer, pop a hole into the wall. Insert the anchor into the end of the screwdriver. And a simple twisting action And there you go, just like that. You can hang anything that you want from these anchors and not have to worry about them falling down. Even your loved ones? Even your loved ones, Dale. So be sure to join us next week as we talk more about renovating your home and your life. You know that video should probably come with a warning, don't try this at home. <laughs> We are not encouraging you to hang your children on the wall. <laughs> well, welcome campuses and welcome to everybody watching online. Me and several of the leaders here at the church spent the week in Orlando, Florida at a leadership conference. It is, as always, our pleasure to suffer for Jesus for you in Florida. <laughs> Actually, if I remember back at the conversation a few months ago, they came and said, hey, do you want to go hang out with some pastors at a conference? And I think I said, no. And uh, they said, oh, did we mention it's January and it's in Orlando? It would be a privilege. Thank you. <laughs> well, welcome to week one of our Renovate series. This is going to be a six-week series where we explore lives and relationships through the many different rooms in the home. And when it comes to inspecting a house, looks can be deceiving. To truly understand what you have, you have to go from room to room. You have to look behind walls. You have to look in attics. You have to look behind or beyond the simple obvious, beyond the visible, and you have to go deeper. The same is true in our lives as well. There are many areas in our lives that need to be inspected and often need a renovation. I want to encourage you to join us each and every week and don't, don't miss as we go through this journey and ask the question, are there areas in our lives that need a renovation? Are there areas in your lives that needs a renovation? My wife and I enjoy this great show that's on Netflix. It's called Homes Inspection. And Mike Holmes, a builder, goes in to new home, home buyers and he performs a second home inspection to point out all the things that were missed by the original home inspector when they were purchasing the home. It actually is kind of a scary show when you think about it sometimes. But one day he said something that I thought was just awesome and, and I wrote it down and what he said was this. He said, it's the stuff you don't see that makes a difference between your home lasting or not. It's the stuff you don't see that makes a difference between your home lasting or not. Isn't that awesome? I mean, it's so true. And of course, he was talking about the subflooring to the people in their home, but this is true in our life as well. 
It's not always the obvious character faults or bad habits that we wear on on the outside that need the most renovation. Sometimes they are simply symptoms of a much larger problem deep inside, a problem that we often in life have ignored or shoved to the side or pretend it's not there. But one of the things we learn in life as we get older is we realize you can't ignore your problems forever. After a while, these character flaws or these deep emotional issues issues eventually make themselves into our relationships, into our jobs, and throughout our lives. And many of us go through our lives wearing masks and pretending they're not there, but eventually they make their way to the forefront and affect not only us, but those around us. If you have a water stain on the ceiling in your living room, it is not enough to simply pull out a can of paint and paint over it. Why? Because you've got to ask some questions. Where did this water stain come from? Is this an indication of a much larger problem that we need to do some investigating with? Just slapping paint on the problem isn't going to fix it. It isn't going to make it go away. And if you have a problem with your flooring, simply throwing a rug over the top of it or moving a piece of furniture to cover it, yes, you may hide it, but the problem hasn't gone away. And at some point, you're going to have to confront it. At some point, you're going to have to deal with it. You can't simply hide from these problems. You're just covering it up. I love this verse in Luke 8, 17. It says this, for there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. You can only hide or ignore from your problems for so long and if we're to find a lasting solution in our lives, we're going to need to look deeper inside. We're going to have to pull back the carpet. We're going to have to move the furniture. We're going to have to look behind the walls. We're going to have to go up in the attic. We're going to have to investigate what is the source of this issue. Where is this problem coming from? Is it an indication of an even larger problem that we need to look at? We're going to have to go find the stuff we don't see to discover what truly matters. But a lot of people don't pursue lasting change in their lives. A lot of people like to ignore and like to pretend it's not there. Why is that? Well, as we dive in that, I just want to tell a little story. Uh, My wife and I moved here several years ago from the state of Washington, and when we were there, we heard about a really, truly unique animal. It was called the Pacific Northwest Tree Octopus. And what's unusual about this octopus is that it's okay living in water and it's okay living in land. In fact, it prefers the lush, moist trees of the Washington rainforest. And if you go to Google and if you look up the, uh, the Pacific Northwest tree octopus, it will take you to an entire website dedicated to getting the word out, to giving you stats and pictures of the Pacific Northwest tree octopus. There's even a place on there for you to get coffee mugs and for you to get bumper stickers to get the word out about the Pacific Northwest tree octopus. The problem is this, there is no such thing as a Pacific Northwest tree octopus. It doesn't exist. It's a hoax. A frustrated teacher created this website to make a point because their students were working off of a false premise. And you know what that false premise was? That false premise was, if it's on the internet, it must be true. But how many of us have learned that just because something's on the internet does not mean it's true, does it? 
In fact, I love and found this quote online from Abraham Lincoln. I think this sums it up completely. The thing about quotes on the internet is you cannot confirm their validity. I'll let a few of you catch up to that here in a second. What happens when we engage life or our situations from a false premise? I think a lot of us agree that we will not get the results that we are seeking. We will not go the direction we were wanting to go. And we may often land somewhere we had no intention of ever landing because we started with a false premise. And this happens in life, and it happens in our renovation projects too. In fact, I want to share with you three of the top false premises and mistakes people make in a renovation. And what's interesting is they apply to our life as well. So if you have your note guide, I encourage you to take it out. This will be our first fill-in for the day. The first top false premise people often make in a renovation project is this. Who cares if I cut corners? Who cares if I cut corners? And there's several ways to cut corners in a renovation project. You can buy cheap materials, you can use the wrong tools, or you can hire the cheapest contractor. And how many of us know in life that there is a difference between being frugal and being cheap? That the lowest bid isn't always the best bid. That you often in life get what you pay for. You've got to do your homework. The same is true in our lives as well. Sometimes you will need to invest in the right tools. Sometimes you will need to invest in the right thing and the right money to make a difference in your life. I will never forget the day I came home to find my lovely bride putting together a new set of cabinets that she had bought and was trying to surprise me with, and she was furiously trying to hammer the nails into the cabinet. The only problem is she was using my $100 pair of dress shoes to do it. That's not the right tool for the job. And church, we provide and try to provide great tools for you to find renovation in your life. And I want to highlight one that's coming up. One, in, for instance, is our Financial Peace University classes, which will begin in February at both the Rock Island and the Bettendorf campus. So many of us out there are enslaved and mired down by debt, living paycheck to paycheck. And that is not God's plan for our lives. The Bible had a lot to say about money and what God thought of money. And there is a godly way to look at money and there is a worldly way to look at money. And we want to encourage you to understand God's way of looking at money and understanding that he has great plans for it and he has plans to bless you. But so many of us get mired down in debt and bills. So I want to encourage you. It is a nine-week course, and it costs $99. But I want you to view that $99 as an investment of finding the right tool. And let's make this year the year where you walk out of debt, where you turn the ship, and you set a course for understanding what God's plan is for your finances in your life. That's just one example of a tool. But we have to remember there are no shortcuts in life. Another big false premise we make in renovation is this. It doesn't matter who I put on the project. Just as we can be cheap, we can hire the wrong people as well. And in a renovation, this can lead to all sorts of problems. 
and shoddy workmanship, timeliness problems, relationship issues. If you've ever hired the wrong contractor for your job, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Hiring the wrong person can make or break a renovation project. And this is true in our lives as well. Who we have around us and who we have in our lives that is speaking into our lives and speaking truth in our lives and challenging us to be more than we ever thought we could be. Who do you have in your life that's speaking into your life? Who is pushing you to be more? Who is challenging you to be more like Jesus? Who is your coach? Who is your mentor? Who are you doing life with? to become more and experience a renovation in your life, you are going to need a group of people to come alongside you, to move you forward, to challenge you, and to help you grow. That is why I want to encourage you to be here every single week of this series and to be at church each week because you need to be around a group of people that are going to challenge you to move forward and to grow in your life. But even more than that, we realize that in all the rooms of all our campuses, it's impossible to get to know everybody and truly learn and grow. That's why we challenge everybody that attends Heritage to get involved in a group. Our journey groups are beginning in February, and if you are not in a group, I want to challenge you to do that because it is in those groups that you have smaller environments to learn and grow, to ask questions, to challenge each other, to minister to each other, to help each other out as you journey life together. Groups are a big deal, and I want you to join one. If you're not involved in that, you're ripping yourself off. Get plugged into a group and experience doing life with other people this year. The third mistake that people often make in a renovation is this, I don't need a plan. I don't need a plan. And good luck with that if you don't have one. This is a bit like the guy who refuses to read the directions before he tries to put something together. I don't don't need a plan. I can do this on my own. Anybody out there ever gotten started with that attitude in a project only to realize about halfway through you were a bit in over your head? I have. What's your plan? If we're going to experience true life change and a renovation in our lives, we are going to need a plan. We are not meant to walk through life aimlessly. If you want to improve your financial situation, as we just talked about, what is your plan? If you want to advance yourself in your career or in your field, what steps do you need to take to begin that journey? If you want to see improvement in your marriage and your relationships, What intentional things will you be doing to go forward with that? And if you want to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and God this coming year, what are you going to do? I love this verse in Luke chapter 14, starting in verse 28, it says, Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Yes, there are times in life where you will grow simply out of your circumstances and by accident, because life does have a way of throwing curveballs at us, and change can happen in a second. But we're not meant to go through life that way. Yes, there will be times when we are called to step out in faith in an unexplainable way and do something that we can't naturally 
understand, but God is calling us to trust in him in that process, and we need to do that. But we are also called to be good stewards with our resources and our time, and we are supposed to live in that world. Yes, we live by faith. Yes, we live by stewardship. We get to live in the tension of the two. And if you're going to experience and want to see God renovate your life, you're going to need to be engaging a plan. And just like we have false assumptions in our renovation projects that are like life, there is one false assumption that I see so many people have in their life. And this one false assumption has led to so many dead-end roads. And this one false assumption keeps so many people from being everything God wanted them to be. What is that false assumption? It's this, I can change myself. I can change myself. I just need to work harder. I just need to be more focused. I just need to study more, learn more. I know what's best for my life, and I know how best to bring hope and healing into my life because who knows me better than me after all? But this is not what the Bible says, and the Bible would contend at this in several different ways in our lives. You see, if you want a renovation in your life, the Bible would say that there is another kind of renovation you need. And that's this. You will need a renovation of your heart. And only God can renovate your heart. Only God can renovate your heart. I love this verse from Psalm 5110. It says, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Who creates a pure heart in us? The writer says, God, God creates a pure heart and gives us a steadfast spirit. And this is important because only God can change our hearts. Remember that. Only God can change our hearts. Only God can bring lasting change in your life. Only God can give you a pure heart and a steadfast spirit. Yes, there is a part we play in this process, and we are called to step into God's work. We are called to be a part. There is an invitation for us to join God in His work of radically changing our lives, and that's why we are called to surrender our will and our way to Him. We do have a part to play, but it is only God who can change your heart, and it starts by surrendering our will and our way to Him. And just as the Bible speaks about renewing of our heart, Paul also spoke of another renewing that we will need as well to have a renovation in our life. In Romans 12, verse 1 and 2, he says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There is a lot going on in this verse, but I'd like to just focus in on that one word, transformed. In the ancient Greek, that word is metamorpho. It is where we get our English word metamorphosis. And Paul is being very careful with his words here to make a point. And when I think of a metamorphosis, I think of a caterpillar that spins a cocoon and goes inside of it. And over a certain amount of time comes out a butterfly. It goes in one thing, it comes out something completely 
different. And this is what Paul's trying to tell us God is doing in our lives. What he's saying is God wants to transform our minds. Not simply make them better. He wants to transform them. And if you want lasting renovation in your heart, you will need a metamorphosis of your mind and you will need a metamorphosis of your heart. Have you been transformed? God doesn't simply want to make it better. What Paul is saying is God wants to take your old heart and your old mind and put it aside and make something completely new. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Paul goes on, he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. God wants to change your heart. And he wants to change your mind to be more and more like Jesus Christ. But the question remains, are you in Christ? Are you in Christ? Are you allowing God to renovate your heart and your mind? Have you been transformed? It starts with Jesus. Only Jesus can change your heart and your mind. So then why do so many people avoid having their heart and mind renovated by Christ? I think there's probably a lot of reasons, and we're going to go through a few of them today. The first one, I I think, is this. We avoid it because it costs something. If we're truly going to change, something has to go and something new has to replace it. Status quo will not be an option. It will cost us something. We're going to have to pay the price to see lasting change in our lives. And I think for that reason, a lot of people are afraid or they avoid it because they don't want to pay the price. But we're called to. I think the second reason we avoid it is it requires an investment of time. And in our instant gratification culture, we don't necessarily like to hear that. In our culture, we want what we want now. If I want something, I just go out and get it. I don't have time. I don't have patience to wait on anything. I want what I want, and I want it now. And we are inconvenienced when things take time because we want immediate results. But genuine Change will take patience and steadfastness. If you want to improve your body and your health, you're going to have to take the time to exercise. You're going to have to take the time to do those things you need to do to see those results in your life. It will take time. The third reason is because change is inconvenient. There is never a good time. There will always be someone or something vying for your time and vying for your attention. There are always things out there competing for you. But if you're waiting for the perfect time, I just want to encourage you that maybe now is the perfect time. We can spend our entire lives waiting for the perfect time and it never arrives. The truth is that I waited for the perfect time and when I had all the money I needed to go to college, I never would have gone to college. If I waited for the perfect and convenient time to have children, I can promise you I would not have had children. But what an enormous blessing I would have missed out on had I done that. 
Make now the time. Make today the day. It's not about convenience. It's about intentionality. Make today the day you start on a journey to say, I'm going to allow God to renovate my life. The last reason that we often avoid a renovation of our life is this. It usually reveals other issues. As we start peeling back the layers, as we start looking behind the walls, as we start digging through the attics, we, get, we begin to find other problems and other issues that have been hidden or have been dormant that we have ignored or pretended weren't there. And as you begin to peel back those layers, now you are suddenly faced with them. Now you have to deal with them. Now if you're going to experience real life and if you're going to grow and raise the bar in your life, you can't just let them sit there dormant and pretend they don't exist. You're going to have to confront them. You're going to have to look at them. You're going to have to come up with a plan. You're going to have to move forward with it. And for that reason, a lot of us avoid it. Have you ever started a renovation in your living room where it was just going to be paint? And before you know it, you've got new blinds, new curtains, some pictures on the wall, new furniture, new carpet. What in the world happened? It's like Pandora's box. You open it up and suddenly there's this whole other group of things you didn't even see coming. And for that reason, I think we avoid renovation in our lives because there's some level of comfort, isn't there? Suppressing those feelings and keeping them somewhere else. But it's robbing you of being everything God wants you to be. We've got to deal with these issues. We've got to dig them out. We can't pretend any longer they're not there. I want to challenge you to be willing and to not be fearful, to allow God to reveal those things in your life that need to be worked on and need to be dealt with because you have to trust that God wants and knows what he created you to be and he wants you to get there. Which gets us to our so what moment. The living room in my house is sort of that central room where we gather together as a family. We talk, we make decisions, we have fun, we, we just do life together in there. It's sort of the central nervous system room in the house. All the other rooms sort of come out from it. But it's a room where Christy and I have worked very hard to maintain an environment of trust. Trust between each other trust between our kids, and trust with guests in our home. But what is trust? What do I mean by we work hard to create an environment of trust? Over the years, I've learned that there are three main ingredients you need to have an environment of trust. And this is true whether it's at your home, whether it's at your workplace, whether that's out in the community or here at church. There are three ingredients you will need and have to work hard towards if you want to have an environmental trust. So pay attention to this because this is applicable to every area of your life. And in the next few weeks, we're going to be discussing some difficult and important topics in your life. Areas like family, children, sex, marriage, finances. And yes, all relationships depend on a relationship with God, but if we're going to go on this journey together, we're going to have to trust each other. 
If we're going to talk about these difficult subjects and these difficult issues, we're going to need to create an environment of trust. So what are these things that you need, these ingredients you need to have an environment of trust? Well, they're this. To have trust, you're going to need safety, you're going to need belonging, and you're going to need mattering. Safety, belonging, and mattering. Now, what do I mean by these? Let's start with the first one, safety. The people around you have to believe that you are a safe place for them to bring their troubles, their cares, their worries, their problems. That when they bring them to you, they will not face anger. They will not face retribution. They have to believe that this is a safe place. It is a condemnation-free zone, a judgment-free zone, that you will listen, that you will care, that you will offer grace in that conversation that you will pay attention. I have heard that in some marriages, a a husband may come home and their wife has had a really bad day and they begin to explain to the husband all the terrible things that have gone and what some people said to them, blah, blah, blah. And those husbands will step up and say, listen, I'll tell you how to fix this. I would do this and I would do this and I would do this, only to realize their wife is even madder at them now. Why? They didn't want you to fix their problems. They just wanted you to listen. And I've heard that happens in marriages. It's never happened in mine (laughs) in the last couple days. (laughs) If it's going to be a safe place, they need you to listen and to care, to be a safe person to go to. They have to feel like they belong, that they are not alone that they're doing life with a group of people, that they're part of something bigger than themselves, a family, a tribe, a movement a community. People need close connections with other people. They need to belong and they need to feel like they belong. And they have to believe they matter. That they provide value and that you value them. Each of us wants to contribute individually in a unique way that we are making a difference and that we are appreciated. Nobody wants to just feel like a cog in the wheel. Everybody wants to believe that they are contributing to the greater good. And this means as leaders and spouses, boyfriends, girlfriends, parents, grandparents, bosses, we have to work hard at creating trusting environments to help those around us understand that we value them, that they matter, that they belong to something, and that this is a safe place for them to be open and honest in order to grow and to learn. And if we're going to talk about some of these tough issues that we're going to talk about in the next few weeks, we're going to have to create an environment of trust with each other. Which means this is a safe place for someone to come as they are. It doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done, what you've said. It doesn't matter who you are or think you are in life. Come as you are. This is a judgment-free zone. We are not here to condemn you. The truth of the matter is we all got our junk to work on. No matter who you are, what you've done, this is a place for you. And our invitation is for you to join us on a journey to find out what it is that Jesus wants us to know about this new life that he is offering. I want you to know that you belong. 
that you are part of the family, that you can be a part of an amazing movement that Jesus Christ started more than 2,000 years ago where he lived, he taught, he died, he was resurrected. That he came to bring us good news that there is hope and healing through Jesus Christ, that we are his people, his ambassadors, his community, the sent people of God that go out in the world to take the message of hope and healing, to let the world know that through Jesus Christ, you can have genuine life change. And the very thing that Jesus Christ is doing in my life, he can do in your life if you will just bow down to him and say, count me in. Amen? You are part of something great that Jesus Christ started 2,000 years ago. You're part of the family. We're glad you're here. Which gets us to our last point. You matter. You matter dearly. You are God's beautiful creation, his workmanship. The Bible says his great poem. You are loved by God. There is nothing you have ever done or could do that will take you outside the love of God. His love is bigger than any of our circumstances out there. And because God loves you, we love you. We love you so much, in fact, that we refuse to leave you where you are. That we're going to engage each other and hold each other accountable, and we're going to push, and we're going to challenge until we all become more and more like Jesus Christ. But you matter greatly. God wants to renovate your life. Will you let him? Will you let him? Leave you with this last thing. About 45 years ago, a man named Bruce was living a life selfishly, doing anything he wanted, making bad decisions and going down dead-end roads. To look at his life up to then, and if had he kept going forward, it would have been a road littered with debris and destruction. Forty-five years ago, this gentleman named Bruce made a decision to follow Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior and to allow God to begin renovating his life and to radically change his life. And it is because of this gentleman named Bruce that I stand before you today. I firmly believe that because Bruce Shanks is my father. And he made a decision 45 years ago to draw a line in the sand and say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And that decision didn't just have implications on the immediate, it had implications on decades ahead. My dear friend, we're challenging you to have your life renovated by God. And maybe you're on the fence and you're not sure, do I really want this renovation? Do I really want to step into this thing? And as a grateful son who is standing before you today, may I simply ask you this. If you can't do it for yourself, can you do it for the people around you? Can you do it for your spouse? Can you do it for your children? Can you do it for your family? Can you do it for your kids? They need you to lead the way. If you can't do it for yourself, can you do it for them? 
Because the seed planted today, God can water into a beautiful tree of life in the lives of many around you. But they're counting on you to lead the way. Will you make today a decision to allow God to renovate your life for them? Because your decision matters, not just to you, but to everyone around you. Let's pray. Dear Lord, as we go into these next few weeks as a church, may we create an environment of trust. May we be a place where anyone with any problem can come and find renovation in their life through Jesus Christ. May we see others with the eyes of grace that you saw us. May our hearts beat as your heart beats with mercy and kindness and love. And may we never forget that people matter to God and so they matter to us. As we go out on this journey, reveal those things in our heart that are hidden that only you see so that we can become more and more like you and as a result, make a difference in the world through Jesus Christ. It's in your holy name. Amen.